Welcome, everyone, to the C-Suite Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today, we've got a, a really interesting point of view. We're going to talk about a counter point of view for CMOs. And on as a special guest today is Warren Zenit. Warren is the founder and CEO of the CRO Collective. Basically, everything that you do from going through and hosting CRO summits all throughout the country, you're going into Europe next month, your whole goal is to create more success for CROs. So maybe expand a little bit on that and tell us about your background and, and then we'll get into the conversation today. All right. First, thanks for having me. Been loving our dialogues and so appreciate this opportunity. So yeah, so as, I, as you mentioned, right, so the CRO Collective uh, focuses as per the name of the company, almost, almost exclusively on CROs. Does that mean that I don't serve other people? Of course I do, but the Chief Revenue Officer role is a very nebulous role in organizations. CROs last about 16, 17 months. CEOs don't get the value out of a chief revenue officer. Uh, you ask five people what a CRO does, you get five different answers. This is a major problem. And the CRO is the key, in my view, and I have a lot of evidence to support this, to actually building really a very predictable, scalable revenue operations. And it requires CRO readiness and other things. So yes, we, we have a very unique business where we focus specifically on not just the success of CROs, but allowing companies to extract the value that CROs can bring to the company. And in, in making the CRO successful in an organization, obviously touches on all aspects and area of the business and marketing is one of them because you just talked about the short tenure of a CRO. Well, CMOs are also facing, they actually face the shortest tenure in all the C-suite, they fail very quickly. So the, the idea that CMOs and CROs don't have long tenures in their organizations, we need to unpack that and, and understand why. And we also need to think more about this concept, like the alignment process between CMOs and CROs and the marketing and sales functions and why sometimes that is a contentious relationship and it never should be. Maybe just... If you could start out, because I know you have a very specific point of view about the role of the CMO inside of an organization, maybe start there and, and explain a little bit what your thought process is. Sure. So I, first, I want to just make sure everyone understands uh, my relationship to marketing, right? So uh, I have an agency, a marketing agency for 15 years. And it's a very successful marketing agency. And I've worked for all the big marketing agencies. I worked for Publicist Group, for Habas Group, for the big, you know, holding companies. My entire career, I've sold marketing services. So uh, there is no love lost for me at all. I love marketing. It's critically important to me. And I think great marketers are a critical part of a company. And I think, unfortunately, too many B2B businesses don't give marketing enough credit which to your point is one of the, not, not the, but one of the reasons why marketing people don't last that long because they tend to be sort of looked at as like a nice to have, which is incredibly preposterous. So I want to couch that first because my point of view on this is a bit provocative. And that is that let's take a look at the way the politics and the organizational dynamics of B2B companies are today. What, what we've done is by virtue of the fact that we have these C-suite executives that all have uh, functional expertise is we've created a traffic jam in the executive suite that results in silos. Because if you have two or three executives who have chief in front of their name, there's no 
further place they can go up, but right? they've reached the pinnacle of their ascension in that career, which means in that company, which means that they now have ultimate authority over their domain, which means now you've got a lot of chiefs running what should be a cohesive part of the business. So a commercial business, a revenue operation should be aligned. It should be all working together. Everyone agrees with this. No one would argue with the wisdom that if you had marketing and sales and customer success all working together and integrated, the company would be successful. But it's not possible when you have chiefs running each department because there's nobody in charge and it should not be the CEO. The CEO is not the person who should be in charge of the commercial operation. It should be a single person. And in my view, it should be the chief revenue officer, not the chief sales officer, but the chief revenue officer. Revenue meaning all aspects of the business that drive revenue. Marketing is one of them. So here's the weird part of this whole thing. By virtue of the fact that you have a CMO, you've actually created the problem that makes CMOs not last because there's no way for a CMO to be integrated in a way that makes them necessary. They become too nice to have as opposed to must have. So the perspective I have on this is if I'm building a revenue engine run by a chief revenue officer, marketing is so integrated into the process that you can't strip it out. That leader is necessary now. It will actually create more dependency of the organization on the marketing leader based on the integration, right? It's like a Jenga game. You know, if I pull out a piece, the whole thing could fall apart. That's not the way it is right now. You have like separate boxes. You can take one away and I could live with two. So what I'm proposing is not that CMO should be demoted, it's that they should be better integrated so they have better longevity. And also the contributions that they make are more easier to measure and recognize so that when you get a sale, there's no ambiguity about what marketing's contribution was to that sale, which isn't the case right now. So yes, I do say a lot that maybe a, C C a CEO should consider no longer having CMOs, but it's not because they should be demoted. It's because they need to be better integrated and the organization would benefit better and marketing would benefit better from having a better integration with one person running things. That's my basic perspective. So I'm going to offer a counterpoint to that. And sure. You and I were most recently together at the, in Las Vegas at the Sales 3.0 conference. Yep. And there I met and had dinner with the CRO of the year. So I said to him, I said, hey, Sean, what makes a CRO of the year? Right? He's, well, you got to hit your numbers. <laughs> you got you to post some really good numbers. But on top of that, he said, the entire success of this company and then my success is pinned on the fact that I have phenomenal relationships with my CMO and my chief customer officer. He said, we have the same plan. We met, we created the plan, we divided ownership on the plan, we meet regularly on the plan. So we all have our parts that make it successful. And I think when I, when I hear that you're, you're talking, there needs to be one revenue leader. What's difficult inside of organizations is to have a number of leaders, you know, chief C-level officers, all on the same plan, all with clearly defined and divided areas of ownership where they agree and they meet regularly. I think that's a hard thing to do. Okay, yeah, so I'm going to respond Sean, to that. I, I agree with you yeah. on one point, and that is that, sure, sure, that would be lovely. 
And how often does it happen? Right. Okay. Right. So, you know, what you're talking about is, unfortunately, you're talking about how to turn a complicated situation into one that works. I'm talking about, let's make it less complicated so you don't have to worry about that anymore. So, so the issue is that that just doesn't happen often enough to make that the strategy. I'd rather reorganize the house so that I can get to the bathroom faster than having to walk around the kitchen to get there. And I think that that's the issue is that, you know, you, and I see this, it's fine. I, I don't deny that there's plenty of people listening to this conversation. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I have this great relationship with my CMO and it, I'm sure you do. It, it, God bless you. But most don't. I mean, 90% of the time they don't because it's hard. So it, it, what you're doing is in the model that you propose, you're leaving too much to chance. And I don't think that's a good business strategy. I think a better business strategy is to just build it so that it just makes more sense that, that, that the cooperative alignment is baked into the design as opposed to it being one that you have to sort of work toward, you know? So I'm proposing that, yes, well, I would certainly say if I, and my, many of my clients are in the situation where they already have a CMO, what am I going to do, fire them? Of course not. I understand that. And we could try and build out ways in which the CRO and CMO can work together, but there are inherent problems with this. And again, I, I want to reemphasize something. And that is that in my view, a CRO who has a, a CMO counterpart, that CRO now is really just something who runs sales. And that is a very like i would say um a diminutive role that's not really the right way to use a chief revenue officer i would just have a chief sales officer and call it a chief sales officer who runs the sales department a chief revenue officer is and this is by definition this isn't just my definition you'll find this everywhere and you look this up is someone who oversees all revenue generating functions of the business so how could you possibly have a chief revenue officer in a company who doesn't have oversight over how, how marketing is integrated into with sales. Just what you're doing is you're taking that role and you're diluting it and you're just giving somebody a title. And I think that that does a disservice to the companies and how they function people and, and put people forth, forth in their leadership roles. So, you know, there's a lot of ways in which this thing is sort of, I think, it, it, there's a habitual part of this. I think companies just sort of, in my opinion, promote CMOs too quickly. I mean, you see companies that hire someone as a CMO from day one, you know, you'll be, be my CMO, I need a CMO, you know. But, you know, if someone to ascend to a chief role, there needs to be some succession and some planning about the way the C-suite is going to be conducted and the way it's going to be, you know, organized so that it, it, it does the best outcomes for the business. But what happens is promotions are doled out for different reasons. They're doled out to give people benefits or in lieu of new more money. You know, I'm not going to pay you more, but I'll make you a CMO. And, you know, people are really attracted to that idea. I want to be a CMO. People are very, you know, they like titles, but that's not the way to give titles out to people. It creates problems down the road that are endemic. And I do think that founders need to think a lot more about how they engineer their leadership teams so that they can get better results down the road when things get more complicated. And they don't. So I'm just sort of thinking about looking at the bigger picture down the road, because most of these decisions are made usually when the companies are around 15 or 20 million, but it's a major problem when you're a hundred million dollar company now. That, that now becomes an issue because you created a foundation that now is unworkable when your company's more complicated. So this is sort of the way I'm looking at things. I'm looking at things a little bit more longer term. So that's my point of view on this. And I think that I'm just looking to try and build a different philosophy where companies can look at things a bit differently and say, you know, 
yeah, you know, I can sort of see that if I construct my leadership team this way, I'm going to create a bit of a collision in about a year or two that I didn't see today because it seems nice today. But, you know, today isn't reflective of where I want my company to be. So I'm going to build a company that's designed for when we're bigger because that's a better way for us to get there. And I, I just think a little bit long, longer term planning and more long term thinking would be beneficial when you're building and constructing your leadership suite. And I think that long-term focus makes a lot of sense, right? You know, everybody talks about being revenue-focused, revenue-focused, deeper pipeline penetration, right? So there's, this is not out of alignment with what we all want as success sure. for the company, right? So if you could, though, because the world today has CMOs in the mix with CROs, and one of the biggest things I'm sure that you're doing is when you come in, you're consulting with and creating a successful CRO is... You're talking to them, well, you've got a CMO, you've got a marketing function. How should you be working with that function, right? How should you be working with your CMOs? What are your recommendations for the CMOs that are listening right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a good the, question. That are, it's a good question. Yeah, they're trying to create that relationship. Yeah, no, support. look, and I have this problem a lot, as you can probably imagine, right? I mean, a lot of my clients call me and they tell me they've already got a CMO. So now what do I do? And, 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 and frankly, most of them tell me that they are actually having the problems that I'm talking about. You know, very few of them say, oh, they work well, great together because they wouldn't have called me in the first place, you know? So, so what I'm saying is that my clients come to me with the problems that I know exist when, they're, when they have these sort of issues. So, you know, I, at first they do is they, they acknowledge once we speak, yeah, I hear your point of view. It does make sense. And I guess I was a little, you know, sort of quick on the trigger to give the CMO a, a, a boost because I probably should have thought this thing through. Plus, you know, I agree with you that, you know, a CRO really would be better for us that could oversee our entire revenue function. It would actually work for us better. So now, but now what do I do? I'm not going to go to my CMO and say, you know, now you're reporting into the CRO. And my question is why? Why aren't you going to say that? Like what's in the way of that? Like what's really wrong with that? Well, you know, it feels like I'm taking away someone's authority and that's not good. I'm like, I understand, but what's in the best interest of the business? So if, if you agree with me, which they tend to do, that your company would benefit from having a single person who oversees the revenue operation and builds a more aligned organization, then why not set it up that way? Like, I know it might be uncomfortable, but, you know, are you going to let your discomfort sort of run the show for the next five years? Or are you going to make tough decisions today that may make things better? And some of them say, no, I'm not going to do that. I really like my CMO. You know, he or she will probably quit, you know, if I do this and I can't afford to make that happen. Okay, fine. Then let's, let's talk about what we have today. So if, if we have a conundrum now, because if you agree that a single like entity or leadership person should be really overseeing revenue from a, an alignment standpoint, then you're going to have to figure out ways to better integrate the way your CMO and CRO currently work together. Because right now, the way you're usually, this is the case, you're describing to me issues that are endemic of a misalignment. That's what the issue you have. You have people who are being measured differently. You have marketing, MQLs, and all their other metrics sort of kind of in many ways unrelated to sales metrics. They're not integrated. So you're going to have to build out new disciplines and systems that force the CMO and the CRO to work together in more concert with each other. And it can't be done just because they get along with each other. Like it has to be baked into the operational way that they actually function, their jobs are. It has to be actually like executional, like operationalize this stuff. So the first thing you need to do is you need to have better understanding of actually what you're measuring. 
because you probably don't really know. You probably measure two different things and you figure out what's in the middle or you make some assessment of the measurements and you all agree that we'll just go with this interpretation of them, which is really not a way to be running your business. So I think the first thing that needs to be done is another thing that we do is we help build out a little bit more clarity around what's actually being measured and what your data means so that your marketing and your sales organizations can talk to each other in the same language and that they're both measuring the same things and there's no interpretation or authority battle that goes on. They go, well, no, I'm right. No, I'm right. That's where most of this stuff starts to break down. And yes, you will find that this process, when it brings forth that level of clarity, it is going to expose the degree to which these people are willing to let go of their own turf and interpretations to build a cooperative relationship. And you may find that they don't want to. They may fight this process, which means you just expose the fact that organizationally, this probably isn't going to work and you're going to have to make some changes. But you got to do that. You can't not do that, you know? So this is sort of an exercise that I walk people through. It's sort of almost in a way, and I talk about this when I do my, my, my little speaking sessions is I sort of have the company go through a, a stress test to find out like at what point they're going to have a heart attack. And then you read all the vital signs and you see, okay, so these are the three systems that'll break down before you die. And these are the three systems that you probably need to be working on. And these three systems are directly related to the way marketing and sales are kind of aligned with each other and they need to be fixed. And the only way they're going to be fixed is if those two systems are working better. And so then you sort of have the, the, you have no choice in a way. Like once you see that evidence, you, you can't unsee it anymore. So it creates a necessity for this thing to be fixed. So I, I want to get people there, you know, and that's sort of like the process. It's, it's therapy in a way, you know, data-driven therapy, if you will, you know. You know, it, it, it's really interesting because this therapy is the relationship, right, that, that you're talking about. Ultimately. Here. It is. Ultimately, it's cooperative, but data has to drive it because if you don't have data that you agree on or facts or intelligence, then it's just an open to interpretation. It's never a good thing. Well, you'll, you'll love this. I, I interviewed a couple of months ago, a woman who was a uh, former consultant analyst with Forrester. She's yep. now a B2B CMO and she would go in with her. She was the sales consultant in Forrester along with this other woman who was the marketing consultant. And they would go into the Forrester clients, and they would meet with the CMO and they would meet with the CROs together. And she said, within the first hour, I could tell whether they were going to be successful or not. And it was all on the dynamic of the relationship. Did, did each value the relationship in what the other brought? And what I really love what you just said there is there has to be in that relationship an alignment with what we're really trying to do, right? I just wrote just as a, as a spoof, a meme that we put up on LinkedIn, where CMO is talking about, I got a great relationship with my CRO. You know how many MQLs I throw over the wall? Right? You know, I mean, the idea here is that there is a relationship that is all focused on revenue and deep pipeline penetration. And that that relationship, though, has to be founded by what are we actually trying to accomplish and how are we measuring our success on accomplishing that? So I love that data-driven approach. Yeah, you know, I would just want to, if you don't mind, I want to just make sure I'm clear about something because I don't necessarily think it's just about pipeline and revenue growth. That's a very sales oriented language. I think it's honestly, it's more about customer outcomes. There's nothing more important than that. You know, terms like pipeline growth and revenue growth are very inward thinking things. You know, no, no person that's buying anything from you gives two shits about your revenue and pipeline growth. 
They care about the experience that they have when they buy your product. I'm not trying to be some Pollyanna. I mean, it's really true, right? And so I think if marketing and sales and customer success, which we haven't even talked about here, talk, focus much more on what are the outcomes that we give to the customers who buy our products, I think it's a better place for people to be focused because it's so clearly has much more purpose driven. No one can argue with it. I use this analogy sometimes. It's a weird one, so please indulge me. So you're dating somebody. Let's say you date for like, you know, three years and then you get engaged and you're engaged for like three years. And for those six years, you know, you're running around traveling and, you know, go to restaurants and, you know, you go to parties and, you know, you go to like events and do all these really wonderful things. And then you have kids and everything changes because now it's all about them, right? Like, we have to change where we live. We probably have to move to a different house. We have to like move to a better place with the better schools. We have to buy different food because we want our kids to be healthy. We can't go out to dinner as much, but it's all being done because you know the kids become more important than everything else. And you know, customers are your kids. You know, like what's more important than that? You know, so I do think like if you can create a focus around customers, no one would argue that. What are you gonna say? That's not important. I mean, it's like saying to your wife, well, I'll ask who the kids, you know, no, what are you talking about? I mean, you, you can't argue the wisdom of that. And I do think that if companies change the focus, then it won't be about pipeline growth because that drives behaviors that aren't really good for customers, by the way. If I'm only looking to grow my pipeline, I'm probably going to do things that piss off a lot of prospects, right? So I do think that marketing should be in the business of not providing leads. We talked about this. That's not their job. Their job is to educate customers. Right? That, that's a much, much better outcome because sales will benefit from that, right? So I do think that there needs to be a shift in the way these things are talked about because the way that we use the language affects the way we manage things. And then when we manage things that way, we do things that sometimes undermine the larger objective. So I do want to make sure I'm saying this because I think if marketing and sales can align around that, I think it'll create a much better outcome for them. It's easier for them to agree on things. So I just want to make sure. 100%. And you know, something that I want to underscore that you just said there was their goal is to educate, right? And yeah. we've got lots of- Make people of smarter about the thing that you do, right? Right. Absolutely. Not only the thing that you do, but the things that they can be doing, right? You yeah. know, education on the thought leadership level is, is the, how do you set yourself up and your company as a trusted advisor? Because- it's even been proven in studies that literally what they think about your company, how they perceive your company is as important as what your company actually does, right? And so I wanted to actually ask a question about both CROs, CMOs, chief customer officers, CEOs should all be focused on that lubricant of education, right? The thing that sparks conversations earlier, earlier in the buyer's journey but serves the client. And I just wanted to ask your opinion about thought leadership content and its importance. And its importance in that role, that dynamic of what a chief revenue officer should be really thinking and focusing on. Yeah, it's a great question. And you know, you and I have talked about this and I have a real passion for this. This is really important to me. So as a matter of fact, when I made the decision to double down on the CRO Collective, it was because of the fact that I knew that one of the conditions of running a business was that I knew it was an area where I could become a thought leader about it. Because the companies that have the hardest time making money 
are companies that are commodities. So I was in the ad tech business for many, many years. And, you know, they were like, you know, 15 DSPs and you know, 15 location companies and 15, you know, I mean, there was all these companies that provided ostensibly the same service. They just had a different brand and they had like a little minor differentiation, you know, and, you know, it's really hard to compete when there are so many alternatives. What ends up happening is it's a price game. You, know, you win because you're just cheaper, you know, and then it just, just it devolves at that point. You know, how low can you go before you're not making any more money? The companies that you really well are companies where they found a way to be the thought leader. And they also understood how to create thought leadership in the way that they communicate to the marketplace. So, you know, I tell this to my clients, you know, where is it that you can be the person or the company that people think of as the, the expert or the smartest person in the space. So that whenever I think about this problem, I first, I think about you. And I know that you're the one who's probably the best at this and anything else I get is second best, right? You know, car brands are really particularly good at this. You know, you look at BMW, Mercedes. I mean, there's points at which in time it's changes and stuff, but you know, maybe a 10 year period at each one of these big brands sort of owns that space where you sort of know, yeah, you know, if I really had the money, that's the car I'd buy because it's the best one. I'm just, it's really just affordability. And so I talk to my clients and the, the business that we, in my agency, we talk about is nothing more than just reputation management. Ultimately, it's like, how do you protect and create a world where you're thought of as the go-to organization for the thing that you do? You educate people. You know more about this. You've established such specificity and specialization in this area that everyone knows that, man, you know, I really should talk to Warren about chief revenue officers. There really isn't anybody else I can think of that I should talk to other than him about this, you know? And um, if you can do that, you have a winning proposition because you're the first person, but it takes work, you know? You have to think about how do I do that? What is my point of view? What is my provocative point of perspective on this particular topic? And how do I communicate that? How do I structure the messages to make sure they're going out in a way that I want? And is the language written in a way that's targeting the people that I want to be listening to this? Is it in the channels that I know that they're interested in? Am I aligning myself with the right people so that I'm associating myself with the world in the way that they see me as an expert? Am I speaking at the right places? Am I saying the right things? You know, it's such a critically important discipline. And um, the ones that do it really well are brilliant at it. And, you know, if they can meet that uh, message with great delivery, then they have a winning proposition. So to me, it's like, it's, it's, it's critical, critically important. You know, what you were just talking about in there, it, it reminded me of a conversation I had with a, a CEO and he's two-time international CEO, former CMO. And I asked him, what, what, what do CEOs want from their CMOs? And it's germane to this conversation is what really, what does a CEO want for, you know, ultimate revenue growth in their company? And he says, here's the one thing that I want. I want them to add value to my company. He didn't say I want them to do better SEO, you know, better, you know, demand gen campaigns, you know, and he said, I want them to add value. And he said, I was as a CMO, I was at a company in the cosmetic pharmaceutical industry and we were number 18 of 20 players. And he said, in three years, we were number two behind the company that had all the patents and, you know, everything. So the, they were clearly established in, in number two. And he said, all we did is we added value to our cosmetologists that were in our ICP. Everything that we did, all that we thought of, to your point earlier on, it's not thinking about deep pipeline penetration. It's thinking about how do I help? How do I support 
my ICPs, right? And he said, that's all we did. And then we, as a result, exactly what happened is they became known in the industry as the experts, the ones that were there to help and support beyond the core product offerings and service offerings that they had. They were there as thought leaders, as experts. They were that trusted advisor status. It's exactly what you're talking about here, right? Yeah, it's critical. It is. And, you know, I feel bad for, com- I feel, I know so many people that I know that work at companies that don't have the benefit of that thought leadership in the marketplace and their jobs are so hard. Like it's just so hard. To, it's already hard enough, even when you are the thought leader to get somebody to make a purchase decision. But if you don't have that, like, that's why people want to go work for companies like, you know, Apple and Tesla and, you know, Salesforce, because they know that they're already walking into a situation where they're the leader and it's easier for us to be able to in the marketplace and pride with pride say, hey, I work for this amazing company and I represent this great brand and we're the best. And it just makes your job easier. And those companies can afford to be honestly to pay you less because they put so much work into creating that brand value that, you know, you're benefiting from it. Whereas if you come and work for me and I'm like the laggard and I have no specialization, I know you have to work five times harder to try and convince people to come buy our product and service. So I have to compensate you more to come work for me because, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. So it's a tough one. And I, I think that, you know, if companies that aren't thinking about this, like I would say anyone listening to this right now that's running a company or marketing leaders or working at companies, what are you doing right now? What's your plan? What's your strategy for figuring out the differentiating factor and the way that you approach your particular problem that you solve? And how are you communicating it? What's the way that you go to market with that? Do you have one? Like, does everyone walk around your office, like sort of articulating it without any issue, what it is that makes us unique or better? And what's, why should people, without any question, hire us before they hire anybody else? And if you don't know that, get to work because that's going to be the way that everything sits underneath it. If you don't have that, it's a price war or a feature war, which is, it's, a, it's death. because Someone else can just make that feature. Okay, great. Have my engineers make the same feature. Now you're done. Your feature no longer can be your selling point. You, you can't be, it can't be a feature. It has to be your expertise, that you know more about it. You're the expert. You're the person. You're the go-to company for this particular thing. And that should be your entire marketing strategy is figuring out how to do that and then build messaging and build your product to support that. And that I'm I, very passionate, as you can tell, about this particular point of view. Very. Now, tell me, though, then, how a CMO has a conversation with a CEO and their CRO in terms of you know, CROs typically have the, the sales organization underneath them. They have quotas on, over their head, like quarterly, short-term objectives. Mm-hmm. It drives a lot of very short-term thinking. Short-termism right? is the disease of yeah. organizations. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I heard this wonderful quote the other day from a CMO, and she said, you know, today's brand is tomorrow's demand. And if I do everything that you're just talking about there, it not only can you pay those people less, right? But she said, it takes sales cycles away from the salespeople. They're not having to build the trust. They're not having to build the, the respect as a trusted advisor and an expert in the industry. It literally accelerates the sales process because that job has been done and been done well. But there, there is a perceived barrier or difficulty in working with CR, many CROs, not all CROs, but in terms of that longer-term perspective and building that. How would you suggest that they 
they talked to their CEO, their CRO about this and the importance of this thought leadership and the, and the reputation of the company and their brand. Well, first, thank you for pointing out one of the reasons why CRO should run revenue operations. Because you just, just described the problem, yeah. which is that when a CRO runs sales, they are forced to, it's not their fault, not because they're closed-minded, it's because they're, they're incentivized to make short-term decisions. Okay. So it's not like, you know, oh, my CRO is so uncooperative, you know, he doesn't listen. No, it's not that. It's because he's been told not to, and he is actually punished if to making, for making long-term decisions because his job function is to make short-term decisions. And that's the exact problem that earlier in this conversation I'm trying to solve is, you know, how could a marketing person go to that CRO and say, you know, we need to seed the marketplace with this messaging and it's going to take time. Time? I don't have any time. I got, I got quarterly numbers I got to hit and I need you to get that shit out there right now and get me leads. That, that's, a lo that's a losing conversation. That's not going to work. And that's how most companies operate. So the whole premise of the CRO Collective is to break down that silo by creating a unified longer term strategy so that marketing doesn't have to go to the CRO and beg for this stuff. It's baked into the way the company operates. And this is leadership's problem. This is the CEO's problem. The CEO didn't organize their company properly. And here's why. And I'm not being naive. I understand, okay, that companies need to make money and they need to sell products. Of course, no shit. I'm not arguing these realities, but at what cost, right? So let's say, for example, you know, I have... Um, Initially, I have a new business and I build a product and I'm really excited about it. And I figured out this new solution and I get out, get customers and I grow those customers and I get like, you know, 10 million or so million bill in, in billings. And then I go, what happens? First thing they do is they say, all right, you know, I need some funding now. Now it's time to me to get some funding. Now I got a real business, you know? So they go to pitch all these VCs and, you know, with equity and finally they find one and they go, great. We're going to give you a seed round. And that seed round becomes a big news event. You know, you see it on LinkedIn all the time. We're so excited. We just got $50 million from X fund to do it. And the first thing I think when I hear that is, oh boy, now you're screwed, you know, because now you're under the gun, right? Now all the stuff that got you to get to that seed round, you probably can't do them anymore because now you got somebody else that wants that money back or they want that return on their investment. So they're going to come in and go, you know, what you really want to do is really figure out a way to increase your pipeline growth. You don't really don't have enough leads. So I want you to blast out a bunch of emails or hire a bunch of SDRs and get more of that stuff. And, you know, everyone kind of falls in line and does all these things. And before you know it now, you've got all the problems that it is that I'm talking about. Because what didn't happen was, hey, you know, what got you here was that you have this great product and you built this great equity with the, with the marketplace. Let's build on that. Let's make that better, right? as opposed to let's get this done faster. So we're going to put somebody in charge of marketing. We're going to put somebody in charge of sales. We're going to have everybody work responsible for their respective things. And so I think the problem is what you said is you've got this issue. So if I'm a CRO or CMO and I want to go to my company and say, you know, here's the problem. We don't have a culture right now where I'm able to create thought leadership because all I'm doing is trying to feed you guys more stuff to close more pipeline every month. So how about we do both? Because, you know, you have to compromise a bit. So I'll do is I'll continue to have some of my people give you, you know, whatever you, what do they call them? Like, you know, 
white paper downloads and all the other nonsense that you're doing. But what I want to do is I want a team that's dedicated to figuring out what our value prospect, that value proposition is the marketplace and establish more grounding and thought leadership and build a longer term thought leadership expertise, you know, trusted advisory perspective on things. And what I want to do is I want to then give, be given the authority to have my CRO train the salespeople how to also communicate that so that everyone's on the same page. So I'm trying to like infuse a little bit more of that thinking into the way we do things. And, you know, you sort of like need to ask for permission to have a, um, an undertaking where this is being done or else you're going to be being pulled all your resources towards short-term goals. And what's going to happen, as you said in the very beginning of this podcast, you're going to be let go in about 16 months when you don't hit your numbers because all of a sudden sales isn't happy and, you know, marketing is the first to go because, you know, you suck anyway. All you do is just give us stupid leads, which is which, what you asked me for, you know, you're firing me for doing the thing that you told me to do. So, you know, I think that the problem is we created this problem, you know, and I, I do think that there needs to be some degree to which the, the head of the company, the CEO of the company needs to recognize and have a very sort of difficult conversation with themselves that without thought leadership and without differentiating ourselves in the marketplace, we're just going to run place and hire an SDR team to compensate for the fact that marketing is not doing their job, you know? which is ridiculous. That's what SDRs are hired for, by the way. They're doing marketing's job. And so I think that it's, it's, a, it's a real problem. So I do think that the, for recognizing the systemic issue of the problem is the beginning to solving it. You know, It's not the CRO's fault. The CRO is in the same position you are. They're given the same off-purpose marching orders that you have. You actually are suffering from the same problem, but you're on different sides of it. And this is why marketing and sales don't get along with each other because they've been set up to not get along with each other. It's not working, you know? So yes, in your earlier example, there are probably companies who have this great relationship, but there are just not enough of them. You know, there really aren't. It's very hard to do. I would just kind of move things around a little bit. So anyway, I, I appreciate you indulging me with that answer, but that's, that's how I'd approach it. You know, Warren, I, I know we could go on probably a couple hours here. But what I want to do, we've had such a phenomenal conversation. If there was one takeaway that you wanted the, the CMO community that has listened to this podcast to take away, to remember, what would that be? I'd say CMOs, your, your role is vital and it's not being recognized and it's not your fault. It's because the organizations haven't been set up for the recognition and the effort that you do to impact the business with enough data-driven evidence. And also, you're fighting a battle of short-termism and you want long-term outcomes. So if I would leave you with one thing, I'd say, educate your leader. Talk, if, you're the, if you're a chief marketing officer, you should be having a relationship with your CRO, CEO. And you should figure out a way to communicate this, this issue and how by virtue of the way the company is set up, the company is not extracting the full value that marketing can bring to the organization and that you have a plan to do it through building thought leadership for the organization. And you need the opportunity to do that. That's, I would say, see if you can appeal to changing the way they view your job. So... You know, that's what I would do. And if you want to talk more about that, call me and I'll 
see if I can help you with it. But that's, that's what I think is the, is, the, is the way I would approach it. And if you truly are a, a C-suite member, then part of your responsibility is the long-term viability and growth of that company. And what you just mentioned right there is absolute fodder for what any member of the C-suite should be doing. I, I agree. Looking at how this company is aligned internally to create success. Yep. So it's not outside of your job description as a C-suite. No. You're a C-suite member, with, however you got there, doesn't matter, but you are one. So you're correct. You know, you have a responsibility to call this out and ask that something's done about it. And you should wield that authority if you have it. Why not? Absolutely. Well, hey, if people do have follow-up questions and they want to get a hold of you, is a, a, a link to your profile on LinkedIn the best yeah. way to do that? Yeah. If I'm on LinkedIn, Warren Jenna, the CRO Collective. You know, you can DM me. It's really simple. Um, or you can find me, um, you can email me, warren at the com. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty vocal. You know, I'm out there a lot talking and stuff. Um, I'm doing, I just formulated a partnership with um, the revenue. Uh, uh, there's an organization that creates an, an, an event called, of all things, the Chief Revenue Officer Summit. And I chair that event. And so I just did one last two days ago and I'm doing another one in, in November in Chicago and they're great events and I'll be there. And then we're also going to be, uh, doing some, I have a course You take my CRO accelerator course again, all at the, the CRO collective.com or you can DM me and for marketers, you know, I do have a lot of, as you can tell, you know, a lot of a point of view on this and I love marketing. So. Any way that I can help CMOs or, or marketing leaders succeed is, is critically important. So uh, reach out to me. Happy to help. I think a, uh, a meeting between you, CMO, and a CRO would be a very productive thing. I'd love it. I'd love to have more of those conversations and referee those conversations because, you know, I think the CEO should be present for that conversation too, ultimately. But yeah, it would be a good conversation to have. Well, fantastic, Warren. Thank you very much for sharing all of your insights today. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. It's great talking to you, Steve. I appreciate you inviting me here.